It is great to be here. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm praying for Pastor that he would have a quick recovery and be back in the pulpit. I know he that's what he wants. And uh, we'll be praying and our church is praying at Greater Portland Baptist Church. And we're just uh, hoping that uh, it'll be quick recovery. And so... Um, I wasn't here too long ago, but um, I think it was New Year's. I think it was the New Year's service, yeah. And so God is blessing. We've been in the prison. As most of you know, we're full blasts. We're, we, uh, everything's opened. We're, I'm in the prison four days a week just going in. It's primarily we're a, a soul-winning ministry. Because we're just constantly seeing revolving kids coming out of the institutions that I work in, the juvenile detention centers. And I was just in there today. We th- we did three services, and uh, they had a, two guys get saved. And so um, it's just a great opportunity that we have there at the Justice Center. Tomorrow I'll be at McLaren. Uh, today I was at Donald D. Long, which houses Clackamas County, Washington County, and of course, Multnomah County, the three largest counties in Oregon, all their kids are housed there. So it's a pretty good population that we have there. And then a lot of those kids, if they get sent to the state facility, then I get to see them at McLaren, which is the state facility for the state of Oregon. And so we follow up with them there and then meet new kids from all over the state of Oregon and then I work at Longview, uh, Callitz County Juvenile Detention Center on Saturdays. We're there every Saturday and just have an opportunity. Small little county, uh, small little facility, uh, but uh, uh, we get to see kids saved there just about every week, too. And so God is good. It's a great. I love my job. I love what I get to do, and I'm thankful for just the opportunity that God allows. Uh, we've had tremendous favor with the institutions and the freedom to preach and teach the gospel. Hasn't always been that way, but it just seems like the doors are wide open right now. And just the freedom that we have to uh, share the gospel, point people to Christ that need it most. Everybody does, but uh, it's just uh, they at the point in their lives where they realize they need Christ. And thank God there's a preacher there that will be able to tell them uh, what they need. Um, I was just think- thinking of us uh, um, about just in December, I got an urgent phone call from a church pastor saying, hey, a grandson of one of our members and ended up at McLaren. We're just so surprised. We're shocked that he's there. And, and so I was going to be there the following couple of days. And so I said, well, I'll look out for him. But there's 200 kids there. It's kind of hard. And I was doing the Christmas uh, revival. So it was extremely busy where we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to everybody in the facility. And they all show up because they all want those care packages. So it's just a real busy season. And I thought I 
met the kid, but I wasn't sure of all people, he didn't end up going. I mean, 99% of them go. And there's some kids that just think they're just too cool to go to a service. But anyways, uh, so I went to go look for him and I kind of introduced myself and he kind of was playing a video game. It didn't seem real interested, but anyways, um, went my way, went and did other services and then, um, try to pursue him the following week. I'm only there at that facility once a week. And um, I was hurt that he got transferred. And I, the grandparent at that time had texted me and I had her information. And so I text back, hey, I think he's gone. And she says, well, I didn't know about that, but let me check on that. Anyways, I didn't hear. And so I assumed he was gone. And then about three weeks ago, I was teaching a Bible study in one of the units. And then this kid walks up to me after the Bible study. He was kind of like not part of the Bible study, but he was listening and he was sitting on a, a bench at the side of the building or the, the, the unit. And then he, he comes up to me after and he says, Hey, are you brother Rick? And I says, yeah. He said, my grandmother wrote me and she told me to talk to you. I says, I know exactly who your grandmother is. I thought you got transferred. He says, no, I've been here this whole time. And so it turned out it was a totally different kid that I thought I was pursuing this other kid that wasn't there. And it wasn't even And anyways, I say all that to say is after the Bible study, I talked to him for a few minutes. I, you know, was just having casual conversation, trying to get to know him and who he was and, and so on and so forth. And, and then I pulled out a gospel track and I began to just go line by line through the gospel track. And he heard me and he listened and he, and I says, is there anything preventing you from just accepting Christ right now? He says, no. So he prayed and he received Christ that evening. And then the next day he got transferred And I thought about all this here, this kid who I thought was gone in the first place, but there's a a grandparent who just had a burden for this kid and was desperately trying to connect me up with this kid. And finally we got connected and then he got saved and then he got transferred. So I seen, I was just trying to see what God was doing in the big picture there, how God didn't let that kid leave the facility until he got saved. Because probably there was a pastor, there was a grandparent who was just begging God that God would work in his life. So again, that's the type of things that I get to see every week I'm in there. These kids, uh, they're down and out. They're looking for the answer. We all know they have, we all have this void in our life and only Christ could fill it. And they're trying to fill it with all this garbage and whatever else and Maybe it gives a temporary relief, but then at the end of the day, they're still empty. The answer is Jesus Christ. And I, again, I was thankful because that church, we were just talking about it. It's like in the middle of nowhere. It's fossil. And I drove and I drove. I mean, you go and you drive and you drive and you pass streets like Dead Man's Cave and all this. The road's going to kill you next avenue and all this stuff. And you're driving and you're driving. And finally you get there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, right. 
But there's a group of people. Amen. They love the Lord. And they took us on for support, our, mini- our, our, our ministry. And nobody thought that they would have a need just a few weeks later. And they knew a guy that was going to the facility that was preaching the gospel. So we were able to connect. And now our grandson's headed to heaven now because just that connection. But anyways, God sees this and he works things out. It's because he loves us. And he wants us to come to know him. And he'll allow us to be in positions in our life where we just need to look up to him. Even Christians, huh? That God sometimes will bring circumstances in our life to teach us a lesson or to remind us or to uh, bring us to a position that we make the next step in our Christian walk. Um, God is in control. And so that's my story about the juvenile detention. I could go on and go on. I love talking about it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2. Brother Rick, Christmas is already done with. Every day ought to be Christmas for the Christian. <laughs> and I want to look at this verse here in this uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea and the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is that? saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all his chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art at least among the princesses of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for this, for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. We know that wasn't the truth. huh? When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened up their treasure, they presented him, uh, presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Um, 
here's these wise men. Um, so a few things we know about wise men here, and I want to kind of emphasize these wise men tonight and learn from them. Maybe we could learn something from them. Um, in a city, of, in a large cathedral in Germany, there's a cathedral called, uh, well, it's in the city of Cologne. There's In Germany, there's this large cathedral, and according to Catholicism, that's where those kings or those three wise men are buried. The truth is, uh, we don't know if there were kings, and we don't know if there was only three. The Bible doesn't talk about that. But the interesting thing is something we do know is that they were wise. Why were they wise? And we look in the Bible, we see the emphasis of being wise and what God thinks about wisdom. And I want to look at these three wise men today and just kind of learn why does the Bible call them wise? The Bible says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And we need to look at our lives and see, maybe we can learn some lessons from these wise men and be wise as Christians and be wise women and men of God or women and men of God and seek God in our lives and be wise like they were. What does the Bible say about wisdom? Proverbs 3.13, the Bible says this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold. Talking about wisdom, she is more precious than rubies and all things that canst desire cannot be compared to it. So God says, if you're wise, it's more important than silver. It's more important than gold and even more important, more valuable than rubies. And so we ought to be wise Christians. We ought to be wise. Proverbs 1 5 says a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. So somebody that's wise is constantly learning. They're always learning. And as Christians, we always need to be learning from God. And we need to seek him out and even seek counsel, wise counsel. Proverbs 4, 7, you know the verse, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all getting, get understanding. Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. I often use this verse in the detention center. I says, hey, you want to be wise? You need to surround yourself with people who are wise, seeking after God. But a companion of fools, you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to be destroyed. So wisdom, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. And he, God wants us to be wise Christians. And as we come into this new year here, we're already here in March. Man, could you believe it? Here we are. Let's be wise. 
Let's be wise Christians. We must follow these men's example and find out why they were wise. And let's follow them and let's search it out and let's be wise like they were. Why were they wise? They were searching for salvation. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, we read it. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he? Where is he? That is born king of the Jews. For we have seen the star in the east and are coming, what? To worship him. They understood that he was worthy of worship. They understood that he was going to be a king. By the way, he was going to be the king of kings. And so they were searching for Jesus. You know, oftentimes we think and we see the Christmas story, hopefully nobody here, but we think it was just, you know, a three-week period or whatever, you know, the wise men came on scene. They looked for Jesus. They found him. He was a little baby in a manger. And, and then the story was over. No. They searched a long time for him. They pursued him a whole lot. Not just days. Not just weeks. Not even just months. It's probably years that they were looking for this baby Jesus. They pursued him. Um, wise people pursue salvation. You know, I work with kids all the time and they're in there and many of them, and I, I've explained this here, uh, they're not churched. I have 15, 16, 17 year old kids who've never stepped foot in church their entire life. Certainly not a Bible teaching church. So they have no clue. But they do know and they understand they have an emptiness in their heart. Not like we do, but they know there's a void in their lives. And they're searching. They don't know what they're searching for, but what they need is Jesus Christ. And just like that young man that I talked about, and I could talk about many young men that I run into every week, they're searching. They're looking for answers. They know there's something missing in their life and they're looking for it. And what they need is Jesus Christ. They just sometimes don't even realize it. What they need is salvation. And many of them, when they hear the story, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the story of Jesus Christ, when they hear the story of his birth, his life, his his death on the cross and his resurrection, they think, boy, that's exactly what I've been looking for all my life. And many of them come to know Christ. And I say all that people need the Lord. People need salvation. And these men were wise because they were seeking after him. Matthew one twenty one tells us, and she shall bring forth a son. Matthew one twenty one, And thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thank God. God loves us and he sent Jesus to die for our sins. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name. What Emmanuel being interpreted is God with us. 
They were searching for this Jesus. The Bible describes him as Emmanuel, God with us. He came to save people from their sins. He came to save us. Somebody once said here, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. And they sought the Savior out. They sought salvation. They got up every morning. If they just like us, you know what? Things happen in life, huh? And uh, sometimes there's sickness comes. Sometimes there's obstacles. Sometimes there's tragedies and whatever. You name it, life happens. And they had life. And they weren't in their own country. And they traveled. And I don't know how many there were and what the entourage was. But they had a star and they were seeking that star. And they were persistent. They got up every morning looking and following that star. And we as Christians can learn, hey, we need to be wise. And yes, things happen. But we get up every morning and we pursue Christ. We pursue his will. We pursue his purpose. We pursue his knowledge. And we just want to learn and grow. And we get up and life happens, but we just go forward. Day after day, week after week, uh, month after month, and even year after year, they just sought Jesus. They searched for God's salvation. Their question was, where is he? Exactly how these wise men knew about the birth, the son of God, I don't know completely. The Bible doesn't say. Perhaps it was Old Testament prophecies, direct revelation from God, or contact with knowledgeable Jews. I don't know. But the real issue is they acted upon their knowledge. They sought for Jesus Christ. They asked the questions, where is he? Where is he? They weren't looking for an institution. They weren't looking for religion. They weren't looking for a system. They were looking for Jesus. Because the answer is not in those things. It's in Jesus Christ. Just like those kids that I deal with every day, they're searching. They don't know exactly what they're searching for, but they have that void in their life. And boy, when they hear about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work. And they say, that's it. That's what I need. I had a kid tell me today, we got together, 100% of the kids came and they sat down and they were sitting there and one of the kids said, man, Brother Rick, I just want to share something. He says, man, ever since I prayed with you and received and prayed Jesus Christ, man, I've just been sleeping so good. I says, I'm glad you're sharing that. That's great. I said, Jesus is real. It's not just a prayer. He's a person and he entered into you and he makes a change in people's lives. 
I want you to know wise men still seek Him. They were wise because they sought God's salvation. And they followed His leading. Secondly, they followed His leading. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9 says this in 10. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. He wasn't a baby. He was a young child. That tells me there's been several years. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They followed his leading. They went before them, before them. Think about that. They don't have what we have. They didn't have a complete perfect Bible then, but they had a star. We do, by the way, we have this. They just had the star. They didn't have a church. Boy, we lean on the church, huh? And I love our church and we need our church. They didn't have a pastor and we love our pastor and he's our guide and he's our counselor and he's our teacher and they didn't have that, but they had a star. They were faithful and wise and following what they had. Think about that. And that's the good news. They sought him until what? They found him. They found him. We have so much more today. We were without, that we are without excuse. I mean, there's so much, uh, Christianity, Christianity around. I'm not saying it's all, uh, good and it's not all perfect or anything, but man, there's Bibles everywhere. They didn't have it. There's churches. They didn't have that. They didn't have the pastor. They didn't have that, but they had the star and what they had, they were faithful to it. I mean, today I, uh, you know, you could just get your phone and you could just to get about any Christian preacher and you could punch him in and you could hear him. You could get any Christian literature just about and punch it up and it could be, you could get your Bible and it could be right there. You could get devotions. Everything's right there. They didn't have that, but what they did have, they pursued it. They were faithful. They acted upon what they had. And they got up every day and they pursued. They followed the light that God had given them. They searched for salvation. They followed God's leading. They followed God's leading. God led them and they followed him. Thirdly, they worshiped God. Their intentions were realized when they worshiped him. Matthew chapter two, verse 11. And when they came, let me read that again. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, her, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented him with gifts. And what did they worship him with? They worshiped him with these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, worship. We've been hearing a lot about worship lately in the news and in our world. And what is true worship? Um, 
been looking through the Bible when worship took place, God did some things. And the prerequisite of him moving in a person's life or in a place was worship. And when you begin to worship, God's going to begin to move. And he's going to be able to do things. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 verse 2 says this, And behold, there came a leopard and worshipped him, saying, Lord, will, Lord, if thou wilt, can thou cleanse me? You see there, there was worship. And then this is what Jesus did in verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was clean, cleansed. Verse 4 says this, And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift of Moses commanded you for a testimony to them. When worship takes place, God does things. We need to learn to worship. The wise men were wise because they worshiped. They were wise because they were seeking salvation. They were wise because they followed him. Every day they followed him. And now they're wise because they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Um, worship is important. We need to learn to worship God. If you want to see God move, I've learned in the Bible, man, worship him. Understand who he is and the awe and who he is and what he's done for you. And just worship him and be thankful and call out to him and pray to him and believe what he could do. Believe. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Another example of worship. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned to him. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Verse 23, and when Jesus came into the ruler's house, remember he worshiped him and he saw the minstrels and the people making noise. He said unto them, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth, Jesus said. And they laughed and scorned him. But when people were, were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and made and made a, and the maid arose and the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. God raised her from the dead. But what took place? They worshiped and God did a work. 
When Jesus walked on the water, Peter walked on the water. It was a miracle. There was a, I won't go into the story. You know the story where he walked on the water. And one of the last things that happened was when the, the, the storm ceased and they were back on the boat and they began to talk and they said this in Matthew 14, 33. Then they went I mean, let me read that again. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, of truth, thou art the son of God. Worship takes place. And certainly these wise men, they worship Jesus Christ. Notice how they worshiped him with humility. They bowed down and they fell down. They were smitten at his presence. He was the savior of the world. The apostle Paul wrote, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1.14. They understood who he was and the power that he had. Somebody once said, was it for me he bowed his head upon the cross and freely shed his precious blood, the crimson tide? Was it for me the Savior died? Was it for me? Yes, for me. Oh, the love of God, so great and free. Oh, wondrous love. I'll shout and sing, he died for me, the Lord and King. And that's exactly what he did for us. He died for us. We ought to worship him. We ought to fall down before him. We ought to understand who he is and what he's able to do and what he has done for us. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice their generosity. They were generous. They were humble. They bowed down. And now they offered him gifts. That's why they were wise. And we can learn from their example. Worship involves giving. Trusting Him. God, I'm going to give to you. Because you're deserving. You may say, I don't have expensive gifts like the wise men. God is not looking for costly, expensive gifts. You know what He wants? He wants us. He wants you. Young person in the back, He wants you. What do I have to offer? He just wants you. He wants your heart. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I'd give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. What can I give him? I'll give him my heart. He wants our heart, adult. He wants our heart, teenager. He wants us. Why? If you look at the gifts, and I, I'm speaking to the choir here, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, while we do not know how many wise men there were, we do know that the gifts they gave to Jesus were especially appropriate because of their symbolism. One was the gift of gold. Fit for a king, gold. Gold is pure, it's valuable, and nearly indestructible. Is indeed a royal metal. And in the ancient world, it was even rarer than it is today. Frankincense was a gift 
for a priest, since it was mixed with oil and used to anoint the priest. In Jesus' day, frankincense was used as an offering of thanksgiving and praise to God in temple worship. The final gift was myrrh, a gift for a savior. The term comes from the Hebrew word term mar, which means bitter. Myrrh was used to prepare dead bodies for burial. The corpse was wrapped in layers of cloth and spices were placed between the layers to cover the order of the decay. This final gift foreshadowed the suffering Jesus would endure at the cross and fulfillment of his role as a savior. They were generous. They were humble. They worshiped him. They sought a savior. That's why they were wise. Why? The Bible says in Romans 10.10, for with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness. We need to give our heart to God. They were generous. So this evening I remind us, let's be wise. Let's learn from these wise men. Let's pursue Christ. Let's get up every day. I found out that Christianity is a daily thing. <laughs> you don't just get saved and just go, uh, float the earth. No, it's something you do every day. It's something you do several times a day. You just commit yourself to him. You live for him because there's, we're so bombarded with everything. And we have the help that we need. We have the answers. We have the manual to life. We just need to believe it. We need to study it. We need to read it. We need to apply it to our lives. Oftentimes I tell these kids, you know, they get saved. But I says, you need to follow through. I need to start reading. You need to start applying this. I says, yeah, you may come to, you may die someday and go to heaven, but you know, you could have life here on earth. But you just need to get into the book. You need to pursue him. You need to get in church. You need to start praying. You need to study. You need to apply. And as wise men, we're going to do that. As wise women, we're going to do that. And we're going to get up every day and we have all the tools that we need to get through the day. Life is tough. Life is hard. But God, this is, this is not heaven. One day when we get to heaven, everything will be smooth. But until then, we're going to pursue. We're going to be like those wise men and get up every morning, get everything packed up and let's go. Let's go pursue Jesus. Let's follow him. Let's live for him. Uh, let's be faithful to him. Let's be generous to him. Let's be humble to him. Let's worship him. That's what wise people do. Today you're here and we're living and what is it in your life where you need to say, you know what? I want to be wise. I want to learn from these wise men. I need to apply these principles to my life. Whatever the area might be, let's tonight commit to be wise Christians and to pursue Christ in our life and his will and his purpose. God has a plan. Just like, you know, I think about 
these kids that I work with, so many of them are so deep into sin and so addicted and so far from, man, you know, getting what they need. And, uh, but you know what? Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles. Jesus will make a difference. There's a man in our church. I didn't have the opportunity to lead him to the Lord, but he got saved in prison. Another missionary led another inmate to the Lord, and this inmate led him to the Lord. He's a faithful guy in our church today. We have an open gym on Saturday night and Sunday evening after service. We open up our gym to the community, and him and one of our assistant pastors run that and they bring in guys from all over the community and they play ball. But every time that we do that, there's a service. We give an invitation. We give a message from the Bible. And a lot of kids have gotten saved and many of them are coming to church now. And this guy that was in prison, he got saved from another inmate. Uh, he's on fire for the Lord. God made a difference in his life. God is working his life like nobody's business. And I look at him and I get excited and I just get excited about what God's doing in his life. And it encourages me. And I say all that to say, God can make a difference. But we need to seek him out. We need to be saved. We need to follow him. We need to pursue him. We need to worship him. We need to be humble. We need to be gener- uh, have uh, generosity towards him. And God will make a difference. God will make a difference. Let's be wise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for loving us and dying on the cross and having a plan for us. And as we look at these wise men, I just want to be reminded, I'm reminding myself the importance of being wise and following him and pursuing him in our lives and being consistent every day and making a decision to follow him every day. Lord, help us to do that. Thankful for this church here and thankful for their faithfulness and uh, their faithfulness to your word and teaching the preaching the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this church family, bless its pastor, be with his family. By chance, if there's somebody here today that would say, Brother Rick, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure if I were to die today that I would go to heaven, but I sure would like to know. I want you to know we're all sinners. None of us are perfect. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. Separation from God, just like I told the youth today. You use that word hell quite a bit. It's a real place. It's a place where people pay for their sin. Eternal punishment. Agony, pain for eternity. That's what you have to do if you don't have Jesus. But in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God loves us. God saves us. He forgives us of our sin. But we need to put our faith. We need to put our trust in him. 
If you're here today and you don't have that faith in Jesus, but you want to get it, you want to have eternal life, you just trust Jesus. Put the matter of salvation in his hands. He loves you. He died for you. You might say a prayer like this and mean it in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's a penalty for sin and I can't pay it. But today I trust you and what you did on the cross was for me. Come into my heart. Be my savior. Best way I know how I call upon you and trust you for forgiveness of sin. I pray this and ask this in Jesus name with everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. Did anybody pray that prayer with me? Maybe for the first time today. First time. I've trusted Jesus today. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Bless these people, Lord. Encourage them. Meet their needs. Thank you again for loving us and dying on the cross. Help us to live for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.